Amen. You may be seated. And the children may leave for Children's Church. Woohoo! That's the best I got this morning. Woohoo! All right. So, as we've heard and heard, uh, there's a lot of people sick, a lot of people uh, dealing with whatever various illnesses and weaknesses and things. So I, I'd like to start. Let's uh, once again go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you hear prayer. And we want to be a faithful and praying church. And now, Lord, I pray, I pray against these sicknesses. I pray against these illnesses. I pray that through all of this, you would be glorified. I pray for healing and restoration of each of those who is suffering today. And I pray that it would be glorifying to your name. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us a discerning ear to hear your voice here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, it has been a tough week for many. My name is, by the way, Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Community Church. And uh, I, I, I thought it would be all right if we started off with something a little lighthearted. Is that all right? Okay. So, so if, you, if you're on the Internet, if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen, you know, church signs, funny church signs or things like that. Uh, there are, um, you know, church newsletter goofs or bloopers. So I want to go through some, some collected church newsletter bloopers this morning. The first one is that the low self-esteem group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. Nothing like boosting your self-esteem by forcing you around the back. Uh, the next one is, the pastor will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth in Joy. <laughs> there's nothing, there's another boost of confidence right there, right? Due to the rector's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice. So if rector is sort of an English word for pastor, and so I, that's a little funny, right? Okay, we're going to stop the healing services because the pastor's sick, yeah. The eighth graders will be presenting Shakespeare's Hamlet in the church basement on Friday at 7 p.m. The congregation is invited to attend this tragedy. Yikes. The concert held in the fellowship hall was a great success. Special thanks are due to the minister's daughter who labored the whole evening at the piano, which, as usual, fell upon her. You know, sometimes the word or, you know, the order of words and the placement of commas makes a big difference, doesn't it? Uh, Twenty members were present at the meeting held at the home of Mrs. Marsha Crutchfield last evening. Mrs. Crutchfield and Mrs. Rankin sang a duet, the Lord knows why. A song fest was hell at the Methodist Church on Wednesday. Yikes, you know? Just one letter changes everything, doesn't it? Uh, scouts are saving aluminum cans, bottles, and other items to be recycled. Proceeds will be used to cripple children. Probably not. Again, a little proofreading goes a long ways, doesn't it? Uh, the pastor is on vacation this week. 
Massages can be given to the church secretary. Yikes. All right, so a little bit of fun. Let's go ahead on to the, uh, let's not linger on that slide for very long. Let's go on to the, to the title slide. Um, if you've been with us, uh, we've been going through the book of Acts. In April of last year, we, uh, we renamed, relaunched, revisioned our church. And we feel like Mission Community Church is who we really are. You know, if you recall, we did some surveys, and in greater than 70% of the responses, people said that our church was missions-minded, that we were, we were mission-minded. And uh, in 60 or so of percent of those responses, we were community-minded. So it just sort of all fell together that we are Mission Community Church. And um, so as we launched on April 1st of last year, we've been preaching through the book of Acts. And because there's, there's no better place to learn about missions and the church than the Bible, and in the Bible, the book of Acts is, is very descriptive. It's very instructive for us. And so we've been working our way through the book of Acts. Now, I won't recap all 19 chapters for you this morning that we've covered, but if you were here last week, we were talking about a big ruckus, a big riot that broke out in Ephesus. So Paul and his, his team are there in Ephesus, and uh, there's this big uh, outburst because they were preaching the one true God, and yet there were... Uh, people who, who made their living from making little statues, idols of the, the, the god Artemis or Diana. And so they were all up in arms because they knew that this was going to, that this was going to help people come closer to God. No, no, they were up in arms because it was going to affect their income, right? They were worried that people would stop buying their, their little statues because they would understand that the, the things made with hands were fake, that they weren't real, that they weren't the one true God. So there was this ruckus, this, this big, big um, riot. So uh, there's all this noise, there's all this shouting back and forth, and finally the town clerk quiets them down and says, Hey, hey, if you have a complaint, take it to the courts. If you have a complaint, take it to the proper authorities because right now we're on the, on the verge of being thrown into jail because we're rioting. So the, the, the whole thing, it settles, it quiets, and, um, and Paul and his team at that point understand it's time to move on, right? There, there's Paul, Paul is, has his eyes fixed on Jerusalem. He wants to be back in Jerusalem. He has his eyes fixed, and the, the part of the subtext, some of the context here is that he's also taking a collection from these churches, and it's going to go back to Jerusalem. It's going to go back to the mother church. So we, we pick up today, uh, we pick up in Acts chapter 20, Acts 
chapter 20, and we're going to read the first 16 verses. So if you have your Bible with you, flip over to Acts chapter 20. If you're taking notes, and I encourage that, uh, today's message is entitled Disciples Making Disciples, and we're going to start there in verse 1 of chapter 20 in the book of Acts. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraged them, encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Peter the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychius and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days, when we came to them in Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from a third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, taking him up in his arms, and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And when they took the youth away alive, they were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us, met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Father in heaven, through the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do two things for us here this morning. That you would work through me, that give me the words to rightly and properly give out your word here this morning. To rightly interpret, to rightly divide the truth. And the second thing I ask, Lord, is that you would, through the Holy Spirit, again, help us to hear your word. Help me stay out of the way. Help your word be prominent. And I pray that you would speak to us in our heart and our mind here today. I pray that we've come with a sense of expectation to meet with you here. I pray that we will not just be hearers of the word, but that we'll be doers of the word, that will be changed by the word from the inside out and will be doers of the word for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as I like to say, first I'd like to go to school and then we'll go to church. We can do a little learning, then we'll do a little churching. Is that all right with everybody? All right, I didn't hear any no's, so here we go. Um, 
So there's a couple of things that we want to talk about. I've got a map. So, so we talk about all these journeys, right? We, we're talking about Paul's third missionary journey, and we talk about all these places. But when I just read it, and maybe you're, you're, it's entirely possible you're better at this than I am, but when I just read it, I don't get a real sense of where we are. So Paul and his team, they were up here in Ephesus, over here in Asia, just off in from the coast. That's where the riot was. That's where all the hubbub was. And so now they've made their way off up through Troas, Neapolis, Philippi, all through Macedonia, the sort of orangey-colored, brownish-colored thing, place up there, all the way back down in Greece. And then what we've been seeing or what we've been told is then they made their way back and Paul went by land for much of it, whereas the rest of the team went by sea. Now, there's a couple of speculative understandings to why they did that. Uh, one is that it, Paul just may have wanted the time alone. He may have wanted to make that journey and have his time, his headspace, and his, you know, the quiet time or whatever. Another option is that it might have been that because he was carrying this large contribution, he wanted to go by the safer route, the land route. Sea travel uh, was not necessarily the safest thing in the world, and so he may have wanted to go that way. Now, what I can tell you is we don't know for sure because the text doesn't tell us. So all we do know is that he went by land and they went by sea for part of this trip. Um, we also see that at some point when they do set sail, he's headed way back over here for Syria. Again, all of that in order to make his way back to Jerusalem, back to the church, back to, uh, he wants to be there for the day of Pentecost. Um, and so as we, as we keep moving forward, we, we, the text tells us about Paul preaching. And I am greatly encouraged by this. Um, as someone who does preach the word on occasion, I am encouraged that he uh, went for a long time. <laughs> he, uh, he preached till midnight. Is that all right? Can we do that here today? Raise your hand if you're in favor of that. Pastor Josh in the back is adamant he wants us to do that. So we're, we're on board. No, actually, he said no, 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 no. But Paul is preaching, and he's teaching, and he's going through the Word. And, um, and, and there's this sort of weird sentence in the middle of that where, where Luke tells us that the room was full of lamps. Okay, what's that mean? What what? What should we understand that the room was full of lamps? Have you ever spent any time with, uh, you know, in a, like in a cabin or a tent or something where it's just oil lamps or kerosene lamps or candles or whatever? Air starts to get a little stuffy. Air gets a little stuffy. So this young guy, Eutychus, probably somewhere between the ages of 8 and 14, he makes his way over to the window you know, preferably, hopefully, to get a, a breath of fresh air, to, to be able to breathe a little bit better, to, but he's still sleepy. Now, I could point out some of you who appear to be like Eutychus in here this morning, 
but I won't. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody actually has gotten that far quite yet. So Eutychus, he heads over to the window, um, and he's still sort of sleepy. Out the window he goes. <whistles> Boom! Lands from the third-story window. Now, our windows are not on the third story. I think it's been a wise decision that most churches are ground-floor churches for that very reason. Um, but Eutychus falls out the window, and, and the text tells us the text tells us that he uh, fell dead. Now, here's the ironic thing. Eutychus, this boy's name, means lucky one or fortunate one. So he falls out, and uh, Paul goes down there. Now, the ESV says that he, he uh, uh, where did he? bent over him. Went down and he bent over him. But probably a better rendering of that is he fell on him or he, he jumped sort of all over him. Now, if you, if you want to make a note, uh, there's a couple of instances. One is with Elijah in 1 Kings and the other one's uh, uh, Elisha in 2 Kings. So we're going to go to 2 Kings 4. And, and this is just sort of a way to, to look and see that... Um, the difference between he bent over him and he just laid out on him. So 2 Kings 4, 32 through 37. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon the flesh of the child, became warm. Then he got up again and walked back walked once back and forth in the house, and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shumamite. So he called her, and when she came to him, she said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. So the idea there is that Paul literally prostrates himself over this boy Eutychus. And, and it wasn't that Eutychus was like he was dead. The text tells us he was dead. Dead. D-E-D, dead. Right? And, and then Paul brings him back up as he's alive. So I want to be really careful. Um, I don't want to, to, to intimate or to, to suggest that if somebody dies in front of us, all we have to do is lay on top of them and, and they'll come back to life, right? This is, this is the power of the one true God working through His, his, uh, his servant for His greater purposes. And, and we now see that. We get to see that, that, um, that, that this, this young boy was brought back to life through the power of God. And then here comes the next good part. So, good news. Paul preached till midnight. Paul brought this kid through the power of God, brought this kid back to life, and here's the good news. Here's the best part. He went on preaching. He preached till sunup. All right, so we're going to stay till midnight. We're going to have a bit of a halftime. And then we're going to stay till sunup, preaching the Word. Raise your hand if you're in favor. No, Okay. Uh, we'll keep moving then. 
But the, but the idea here is that Paul is, is pouring out every bit of what he has for the church. He is, he is trying to strengthen the church. He's encouraging the church. He's, he's bringing his, his experience, his knowledge, he's bringing it all to the church to strengthen the church. And he's got his face set to Jerusalem. He is headed to Jerusalem for Pentecost. He knows where he wants to go. So a little bit of, a little bit of school, right? A little bit of context of the passage. Now, if it's all right, let's try and go to church here just a little bit. And I'm going to do the best I can to tell us what, what in the world does that have to do with us? What? What is it in this passage that we should learn from? Well, there's a couple of things. But, but let's start with, let's start with gospel witness stories. Let's start with gospel witness stories. As we do, week in and week out, we talk about the opportunities we've had to share the gospel with others. And so, uh, as is the role of the person standing up here, I'll even go first. Um, last night, we, we met Madison. And uh, Madison, Madison was astounded when I asked if we could pray for her. She said that, we, well, and if you know our family at all, it's, we were at a restaurant eating out again. But, but Madison said that someone a few days before, sitting at the very table we were sitting at, had asked her the same question. She went on to tell us all about her life. That it wasn't pleasing, it wasn't pleasant, it had a lot of trouble in it. Um, you know, there was, there was family trouble, and there were... Uh, uh, there was a motorcycle accident and uh, all sorts of stuff going on. And that, uh, that she had been working for 25 days straight while she went to VCU. She was in VCU studying biochemistry. I, I assured her that I could probably spell biochemistry, but beyond that, I had no earthly clue what that was about. But it sounded hard, and she said it was. And she went on and talked to us for a while, and I said, well, well Madison, do you, do, you, do you go to church? And she said, yes, I used to. I said, you used to? She said, yeah, now I work on Sundays, and, and I can't make it to church, and, and uh, you know, I, 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 but I used to go. And she named the church, prominent church, uh, you know, a sister church of, of ours, uh, a well-respected church, in the area, and she just she didn't go anymore because she was she was she was busy. And so I, I asked her, well, well, Madison, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do, do you have a personal relationship with Him? And you know, and the answer I get almost all the time when I ask that question is, oh yeah, yes, yes. Madison said no. Well, folks, that changes the burden. That changes the conversation right there. 
And unfortunately, with Madison, we couldn't really spend any more time connecting, but I encouraged her to, to, to get back with the, 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 the person that had talked to her the week before or to, to go back to that church she had been attending to look for a, a midweek gathering or an evening gathering or something to connect back in with that church. You know, and we prayed for her. We prayed fervently for her and for, for her relationship with the Lord. So not every time, you know, not every time is the answer, yes, I know Jesus, but sometimes the answer, yes, I know Jesus, isn't necessarily true. So Madison gave us the very, uh, the most honest answer she could. And so we continue to pray for Madison and and people like her who don't know Jesus and, and may have been in a church but disconnected. So that's me. That's me. Who, who here has a gospel witnessing story to share today? Does anybody have a gospel witnessing story to share? Okay. Now, I, I, I got to hear last week, we, you know, the Isaac and Ross were there in Guatemala, and they had lots of stories, lots of opportunities. You know, we, uh, of course, the week before, or the two weeks before, were in, in uh, South Africa, and we had lots of opportunities. So, so let's, don't give up. Please don't give up. Please keep, keep talking to people about Jesus. Because if they know Jesus, it's an opportunity to celebrate, right? It's, it's hey, let's have a little uh, worship service right here in the, in the grocery store or wherever we are or wherever we meet them. And if not, it's an opportunity to, to speak into their life. It's an opportunity to, to share the good news with them. So I want to cover a couple of things really quick. We're going to have three things, disciple making, disciples making disciples, devotion to church, and dedication to team ministry. Um, and I'm going to give credit to Charles Ryrie, who in the biblical theology of the New Testament talks about the groundwork principle. So under the heading of disciples making disciples, the basis of all missions, according to Ryrie, the basis of all missions is the individual disciple. Jesus, in Matthew 28, told us what? To go and make disciples. Who's supposed to go make disciples? We are. The disciples are supposed to go make more disciples, right? The disciples are supposed to go and and to to introduce people to Jesus, to, to baptize them, to teach them. Right? So the groundwork that gets laid there is, first of all, I have to be a disciple. And if I'm a disciple of Christ, then I'm supposed to be out there sharing the good news with others. Right? Yeah, th- this is yes, this is no, and this is would he please hurry up. Yeah, okay. So, so the idea here is, the idea here is that laying the groundwork is being a disciple, sharing the good news, but it doesn't end there. Sharing the good news isn't all there is, right? The idea is that it is more than just evangelism. Acts 1.8 says, The power will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. The ends of the earth, right? By the way, we are in the ends of the earth. If you want to look at that uh, geographically, that's us. But, the idea isn't just not, it doesn't end at tell people about Jesus. 
You know, there are ministries out there that just, they, they, they're evangelistic in nature and they tell people about Jesus, but that's not enough. We can't just tell people about Jesus. We also have to help them learn to know what to do when they know Jesus. How do I live as a disciple? How do, how, what is a Christian and what am I supposed to do? How do I live? And so we have to, part of disciples making disciples is we have to share that. You know, and, and sometimes it means getting up folks plugged into solid ministries, right? Sometimes it's one-on-one. Sometimes it's, hey, I told you about Jesus, and let me tell you about living the Christian life. Help me. And the idea of living a, a, a godly life, a Christian life, and being a disciple. You know, we teach a couple of things here. We, when we go to Africa, we use creation to Christ to explain the story of God, the story of the Bible, who Jesus is. And we do that for a couple of reasons. But in South Africa, one of those reasons is they're a story-relating culture. They understand when you tell a story and they follow along. The other thing is we have to break through some of that syncretism, right? Some of that, well, I like my ancestral worship, and well, there's this other thing over here, and, and this cult that we sort of belong to, so we have to break through that, right? And so we talk that, but we also work our way through what? The four fields. The four fields model is about evangelism. It's about, it is about getting a foothold. It's about evangelism. It's about reproducing disciples and reproducing churches. So the foundation, the very foundation of the four fields model is disciples making disciples. You know, we want, I, I want to go back to the Good News Club. By the way, uh, I've been told that because Bellwood Elementary School is on a year-round schedule, they actually will be in school on Monday. So if you want to participate in the Good News Club, we encourage that. It's a great thing. It is, I, I, I'm not sure how to really explain it other than, um, I wish I'd have brought some video or some pictures this morning, but you'll see those eventually. We, in this culture, work hard to get inside of a school. There are lots and lots of rules about telling kids about Jesus. When I was a kid, the Gideons would stand there and hand out New Testament and Psalms as you're walking out the door. If you wanted two of them, they'd give you two of them. Well, now you need special permission. You can't hand things to the kids. You might be able to hand it to their parents, but you can't hand anything to the kids. The kids can hand it to the kids. But you... you know what? In South Africa, they begged us. Begged us to come to the school. When you see our recap, when you see the video, 600 kids standing in formation at the opening assembly, and we're telling them about Jesus. The gospel is going forth. And we think we're smarter than them. We think we're a more enlightened culture. Well, guess what? I don't think so. Because they know they need the gospel. The principals and the staffs, the staffs of those places ask us to pray. We pray with them. We tell their kids the gospel. And in here, you need special permission. So when we have the opportunity to, to work with a school, the Good News Club, I can't say enough about it. We, we need to be in those schools. We need to be doing that stuff. So that was, that was disciples making disciples. The second 
uh, alliteration here is devotion to church. Devotion to church. Now, I've heard it said, well, I believe in Jesus. I don't need to go to church. I can worship Jesus anywhere. I don't have time to go into that, but it's foolishness, and it's contra-biblical. Hebrews tells us not to forsake the gathering together, that we should be in church. The entire New Testament is essentially written to the church. Very good, that's right. So the writers of the New Testament knew that there was supposed to be a church, and we were supposed to be a part of that. Uh, The story is told of a deaf member of a church and a rather typical-minded American church member who asked this deaf person, why do you come to church each Sunday when you cannot hear the service? The humble man replied, I come each week to let people know which side I am on. I come each week to let people know which side I am on. Vance Havner, uh, preacher and teacher, said, we leave comfortable homes to ride in comfortable cars, to sit in comfortable churches, to hear comfortable sermons. What do we know about the reproach of Christ? Do we talk about sin? Do we talk about fail? Do we talk about the consequence? It's hard to tell. Vance Havner also said, too many church services start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. Heaven help us if we're in that group. So it's devotion to church. It is, it is after, after disciples making disciples, it is devotion to church. It is being a participant to being a part of the community of the local church. God instituted the local church. Not that it should be big and boisterous, not that that's entirely wrong, but as Pastor Josh has pointed out, we are a small church on a big mission. A team went to Guatemala. A team went to South Africa. A team is going back to Baltimore the 2nd of March. Why do we do that? It's who we are. It's our DNA. It's what God told us to do. And so in the context of the local church, we're serving. We're being community. We're uplifting each other. We're discipling each other. We meet on Sunday mornings. Sunday nights, we, we, we disciple kids. Awana ministry and our student ministry. That's what we do. We're part of the church, and we're all supposed to be part of the church. The final uh, alliteration here, the final D, is dedication to team ministry. Dedication to team ministry. Very little ministry is done on its own on an individual basis. In this passage, we can see Paul working with a team. He's taking a team with him. Now, there's probably a couple of reasons. One of the reasons might be the security of traveling with a large sum of money. So it's a group of guys, right? It's a group of guys that can fight off the bandits. Of course, if the big bunch of bandits are bigger than the bunch of guys. Well, anyway. But but so there's the idea that that that's part of it. But what what is Paul also doing? What is he, what, if we read Titus and we read 1 and 2 Timothy, what, what is Paul doing? He's training. He's discipling. He's duplicating or replicating himself in team ministry. So Paul, by taking this group with him, is, he's modeling 
ministry. He's modeling what it looks like to be a team ministry. We take teams to Baltimore. Teams go to Guatemala. Teams go to South Africa. So the question becomes, what more can we do? Or more pointedly, what more can you do? I'll let you chew on that one for a little while. So we come to the, poor, the point in our, in our morning where if you've if you're been to church a bunch, we call this the invitation or the altar call or whatever you want to call it. But before we get there, I've been talking about being a disciple. I've been talking about what it means to be a disciple-making disciple. Well, you know what? There's actually something that comes before being a disciple-making disciple. And that's being a disciple. Being someone who knows Jesus is Lord and Savior. Because I will tell you, the Bible is very clear. If you do not know Jesus is Lord and Savior, you will not go to heaven. Everyone's going to live forever in one place or another. Romans tells us that all of us, every single one of us, have sinned. Now, how do we teach sin? What do we, how do we teach sin to our kids? It's anything that we think, say, or do that displeases God. Think about that for a second. Have you thought anything this week that displeases God? Don't raise your hand. Think about this a little more. Have you said anything this week that displeases God? Don't raise your hand. Have you done anything this week that displeases God? That's sin. The wages of sin, the price we pay for that sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. And that's real. That's real. There is a real heaven. There is a real hell. There will be a separation. And we will live in one place or the other forever. So if everyone has sinned, and the wages of that sin is death, what hope is there? Here's the hope, that while we were still sinners, God loved us so much, He sent His one and only Son, that through Him we could have forgiveness of those sins. There's nothing we can do to earn that forgiveness. There's nothing we can do to be forgiven on our own. Ephesians 2 says that it's by grace that we have been saved. That there's nothing we can do to earn that. It's a gift of God. Because guess what? Our human nature, if we thought we were doing it on our own, you know what we'd do? We'd take credit for it. We'd brag about it. Say, oh yeah, no, it was all me. No, it wasn't. It was all God. So the bottom line is, we, we, we are sinners. The, the result of sin is eternal separation from God. And the, the, the love of God, the gift of God, is that He sent His Son that we could be forgiven. Romans 10.9 says that if we will confess the Lord Jesus and we will believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Saved. Our culture thinks, well, that's there to be saved from. I'm pretty smart. I'm doing okay. I got a job, 401k. Things are good. I got a place to live. My car runs. We need to be saved. 
Sin is real. Death is real. Hell is real. And there is only one. There's only one way. And that's through the grace of God, through that gift. Grace, we can consider grace something good, getting something good we didn't deserve. We can count on Christ's mercy, and mercy is, is not getting something bad we should have. If you're driving 105 miles an hour down the interstate, at some point, you're going to get something you deserved. Mercy is not getting that ticket. The grace of God is that we don't have to spend our eternity separated from Him. So what I want to do, if we want to call it an invitation or we want to call it an altar call or whatever, and here's what I want to do. First and foremost, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can change that today. And I, and I want you to change that today. I want you to take care of that today. Because we're not promised tomorrow. So I, we, we need to deal with that today. So the first thing that we want to deal with this morning is to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're not sure, you need to be sure. The second thing I want is, I want us, if you, we've talked about it, there's people sick everywhere. There's people sick everywhere. If you want prayer this morning, come up here and we'll pray. Or come up here and pray on your own. It's okay. Or grab someone next to you and pray with them. But let's, if you want prayer this morning for anything, this will be the time. Do you, do you need to, to resolutely dedicate yourself to ministry? Is there a ministry you're supposed to be a part of that you, you're not, that you need, you, you need to do that this morning? Now, now is going to be the time. Now is the time. Do you need to dedicate yourself to missions somehow? Do you need to dedicate yourself to, to missions? Do you need to dedicate yourself to church? You know, we don't talk about it a lot here, but, but there's a, a process of being a member of a church. And if you've been coming for a while and you've decided that this is the church you want to be a part of, that you want to be a member of voting, because we're going to have a vote in a little bit, right? If you want to be a voting member, a, a, a participating member of this church and the, the things that that brings with it, you can do that today too. But the most important thing, the most important thing is that you would know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So as the, as, the, as the musicians come, as the worship team comes, and I pray, open your heart, open your mind, listen to the Spirit. And if all of you come all at once, Pastor Josh said he'd come and help. He, he's happy to come and pray. Donnie's happy to come and pray. We can do that. But now's the time. So let me pray, and the band will play. Father in heaven, Thank you for Paul. Thank you for your word where you've, you've shown us disciples making disciples. 
Thank you for showing us that we, that we should be dedicated to, to missions, that we should be devoted to our church. First and foremost, we should be focused on you, that we must know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That we should have our eyes on the cross. I pray, Holy Spirit, move through this place. Speak to our hearts and our minds. Break down the resistance. Break down the pride, any fears, whatever it is in us that keeps us in our seat and ignoring you today. Break through it. Knock down the walls of resistance. Open us wide. Speak to our hearts. Show us where we need you. Show us how we need you. Show us how we must cling to you. It's only through the power of the one true God. It's only through the power of the resurrection. The death, burial, and resurrection of the one true God. Jesus on a cross, in a tomb, and now at the right hand of God the Father, triumphantly and victoriously. All of that is bigger than our petty concerns. All of that is bigger than our problems here on earth. Father, don't let us walk. Let us run to you. Let us run to you in the here and the now. Change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.